Welcome to Tim Friedman's 70s Rock Conversations. I'm your host, Tim Friedman, joined by rock and roll expert Frank Ost. Frankie, welcome. How are you? Yeah, it's great to be here. Lovely day and uh, looking forward to a nice summer. Yeah, it's nice and warm, isn't it? Mm -hmm. This day in rock history is where we begin. July 11th, 1946. Dino, Dean Martin, recorded his first four songs. Everybody loves somebody sometime. <laughs> uh, that was like yeah. a signature song, wasn't yeah, it? Absolutely. That hit number one for Dino. 1951, DJ Alan Freed, working at the time on the air at WJW Radio in Cleveland. That's right. Debuted yes. his Moondog Rock and Roll House Party, playing mainly R&B tunes, which is did back then. Exactly. There wasn't really anything known as rock and roll at that point. And it wasn't like the show aired like during the day or even the early evening. It started at 11.15 at night. It went until 2 a.m. Isn't that something? Yeah. His followers then became known as the Moondoggers. Times were different. <laughs> Boy, they were, weren't they? They were probably the only time that mom and dad weren't paying attention. Exactly. 1964, The Supremes, Where Did Our Love Go? was released. It would be number one for two weeks, the first of five number ones in a row for The Supremes. Yeah, definitely. But as you know, from our artists who debuted at number one or number two segment, they did not debut That's true. Their first yeah. at number one, their first single. Same year, 1964, Stevie Wonder dropped the nickname Little Stevie Wonder and just became same, you know, plain old Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder, yeah. Three years later, after leaving the new Christy Minstrels, Kenny Rogers formed the first edition. That's right. Remember that? That yeah. was one of our Psych versus Pop just sure dropped was. In. <laughs> one of the great psychedelic tunes of all time. David Bowie's Space Oddity was released to coincide with the moon landing of Apollo 11. That's that was right, in yes. this date, 1969. Yes. It hit number five in the UK, but did not chart here in the States until being re-released in 1973. I don't know why they waited that long to release it again. Do you? Uh, because he didn't have any kind of uh, following here in the States, really, until Ziggy Stardust. You that, know, which was, he was well into his career by that time. That's probably the reason. Mm -hmm. It went to number 15 at that point in 1973. In 1979, Neil Young's concert film, Russ Never Sleeps. I have that uh, that album. It's really good. Yeah, it is. And one of these days, we'll have Neil Young as our featured artist. We haven't talked a lot about him as his featured artist, but we will. Right. He debuted uh, with that concert film at a theater in California. The album of the same name was released the same day, 43 years ago today. Wow. Good stuff on that album, mm -hmm. too. Lars Ulrich from Metallica in 2000 was the first witness to testify, Frankie, at a U.S. Senate hearing concerning copyright issues surrounding the free sharing of music files on websites like Napster and MP3.com. Oh, I remember that when that was a huge thing. Yeah, Napster and yeah, everybody was downloading Wire music. And, yeah. yeah, I remember thinking, you know, I'd be happy to pay 99 cents a buck of a single like we used to at Melody Lane. Sure, absolutely. Uh, if they just put them available uh, up online, I'm happy to pay for it. Right. Well, maybe not happy, but uh, <laughs> I'll do it. Plus, you can buy one single at a time. At that point, you had to buy the whole CD to get one or two songs. Right, exactly. It didn't make any sense to me. Rob Grill, the lead singer and bassist for the grassroots, you know, Live for Today, Midnight Confessions. Yeah. Uh, 11 years ago today, died of a stroke at age 67. Mm, sorry to hear that. Birthdays. Sixth president of the United States, John Quincy Adams, was born in the state in <laughs> 1767. There you go. Yul Brynner, 1915. Tab Hunter, the actor. All the girls liked him, didn't oh, they? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a great name. Hollywood had great names for their actors and actresses back then, didn't they? 1931. Armani was born in 1937. Oh, Giorgio Armani, you know. Sure. Uh, Bonnie Pointer of the Pointer Sisters was born in 1951. And Bon Jovi guitarist Richie Sambora, 
is 63 years old today. Oh, okay. All right, Frankie, concert calendar time. Tomorrow, the 12th, Doobie Brothers 50th plus one anniversary tour. That should be an excellent one. You know, last year they couldn't make it. One of the um, members of the crew, I believe, or the backup band uh, came down with the COVID-19. And back then, um, it, we were still coming out of it. We had yeah, the vaccine. We were, yeah, but, exactly. We were still coming out of it. But we were going to run into a couple of waves, and, and Blossom experienced a couple of those as well. Todd Rundgren's Unpredictable Tour which sounds like it's going to be an unpredictable night. At exactly. Kent Stage, I don't think he's ever performed there. He's been at a place in, in Lorraine, like at the, the at the Palace Theater out there. Sure. And at all various locations throughout Northeast Ohio. Cleveland favorite. Also yeah, I don't the, think there's a place that he hasn't played no, here in Northeast Ohio. <laughs> Maybe uh, Nautica Stage or something, right? Yeah, it, that might be the only one, yeah. Rod Stewart and Cheap Trick will be at Blossom a week from tomorrow, the 19th. Uh, John Anderson of Yes at the Kent Stage should be an interesting show. That should be a very good show. That's yeah, Friday the twenty second. What kind of band and how they kind of kind of put that together? Going to be interesting. End of the month, Elton John's Farewell Yellowbrick Road Tour at Progressive Field, Saturday the thirtieth, and the Happy Together Tour, MGM Center Stage. That's got a lot of the favorites: Absolutely, Frankie, Turtles, yeah. Gary Puckett, and the Union Gap. One of my favorites, The Association, I think I told you that was my first album. That's right, yeah. I don't know how I got a hold of it, but I still have it. It's kind of tattered, but the the record is intact. The album cover is not. Nice. And it would not have made one of your best album covers either, that's for sure. (laughs) The Greatest Hits. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, my sister had that, so I know what it looked like, yes. Maybe I took hers. They were just kind of sitting there, weren't they? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. On the edge of a mountain or something. Something like that. The Buckinghams and the Vogues and Five O'Clock World is a great tune, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm sure if you go to that, you're going to hear a lot of really nice songs you probably haven't heard 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> the cow sills. Some toe tappers yeah. there, right? Yeah. Al DiMiola, are you a big fan of the guitar great? Um, a little bit. He's yeah. coming to the Kent stage as part of their 20th anniversary. Okay. Uh, Sunday, September 11th, Shaka Khan, MGM Center Stage, Sunday, November the 5th. Definitely. Frankie, brand new category. It's not going to take long. Big hits right. that debuted on the Hot 100. This week, okay. we'll start with 1967. Our years are 67 to 82. Maybe one or two, give or take, you know, before and after that. But this week, Gentle on My Mind by Glenn Campbell Ooh. debuted at number 100. Wow. What a big song that would become. That was like his <laughs> signature song. Right. You Keep Me Hanging On by Vanilla Fudge, 1967. That uh, peaked at number, that started out at number 86. Yet this time it only peaked at number 67. Wow. That's interesting. We'll have news about that song next week. Mm-hmm. New segment, I like it, Frankie. Deep cuts from top albums, and you have one that's really good, don't you? Yeah, it's uh, called Four Sticks, um, and it's by this version is by Page and Plant mm-hmm. from No Quarter. <laughs> Try to find a way 
Actually, I could have used this as a deep cut from Led Zeppelin 4, but I kind of like this version just a little more. Jimmy Page and Robert Plant included this track on their version of the unplugged albums of the 90s. It was even called Unleaded and featured the London and Wales Band, the Egyptian Ensemble, and the London Metropolitan Orchestra. <laughs> because of the complexity of the original recording, it took this long for them to recreate the song live. The reason it is called Four Sticks, on the original recording, drummer John Bonham drums using four sticks, two in each hand. Huh. And if you're wondering why the owls cry in the night, I have no idea on that yeah, one. That's one Indian of those thing great uh, yeah. lyrics that nobody has any idea what it means. <laughs> Four sticks, page, and plants. Yeah, that's Do you wish one. they had done more together just as a duo in the 80s? Absolutely. In fact, I, I saw them twice, um, both times at, uh, what is it now, the Field House, the Quicken Loans, yeah, the whatever Q, it is. Yeah, yeah we, I saw them <laughs> twice there uh, in the 90s, and it was a lot of fun. One time they had the entire orchestra with them, so wow. it was really a good show. That's good. I like it when artists incorporate orchestras, even a youth orchestra. That's kind of fun, too, right. isn't it? Mm-hmm. And they're not afraid to do so. Cause no, they, and, the, and the kids or the adults who play probably like it as a change of pace as well, I would think. Oh, I, I'm sure. I mean, boy, talk about being, having fun as, a say, a violin player. All yeah. of a sudden, you're, you're playing some of these classic tunes. And you're backing time. up Page and Plant right, as opposed to... Right, doing cashmere, uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> right. It, it, normally, they're backing up someone who's really good oh, absolutely. from Broadway or, or an opera singer or something. Right, they may right. or may not know, but... Everybody knows these guys. Absolutely. Mine's Next Time, This Time by Jim Croce from his Life and Times album, which was released in uh, July of 73, about two months shy of his tragic death in that plane crash. The album, Life and Times, features big hits, uh, Bad Bad Leroy Brown, One Less Set of Footsteps. If you're looking to get your hands on the Christmas song, it doesn't have to be that way. That's on there as well. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. This track, though, Next Time, This Time, was on side two. Comes on just before Leroy Bronze, so it's not hard to find. <laughs> it's only 2 minutes and 55 seconds long. The album peaked in number 7 on the Billboard Top 200 album chart. If you get to feeling all alone When your good time friends have all got up and gone Don't come knocking around my door Because I've heard your lines before there ain't gonna be a next time this time Cause woman's starting right now I'm gonna get your name and your pretty face, girl And write you off as a bad mistake You know that some women, they are lovers Some just got no sense But a woman like you ought to be ashamed Of the things that you do to men Get to feeling all alone When you find that you can't make it on your own Don't come knocking around my door You see, I've seen your act before There ain't gonna be your next time This time, this woman's starting right now He was nominated, Jim was, for two Grammy Awards in the Pop Male Vocalist and Record of the Year categories for Bad Bad Leroy Brown. Oh, that's right, yeah. But on, like a lot of artists, I tend to shy away from their big hits now because I'm just kind of tired of them. Yeah. As good as they were, next time, this time, 
I like better right now because, for one thing, they don't play it. Secondly, exactly. when you find a song like that, it really makes you look forward to playing that whole side, the whole album. That's right, yes. And that's kind of like what the fun part about the deep cuts from top albums is. We can kind of turn people on to stuff that we like and perhaps they like as well. Absolutely. Maybe they, they haven't thought about for a while. Yeah, and maybe they haven't heard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Frankie, it's time for Best Instrumentals. We've been having fun, haven't we? Oh, absolutely. Remembering some of these uh, great instrumentals. Trying to stick to the 70s and maybe the 80s. I don't want to get off too far off the rails because I could really get into soft jazz, <laughs> smooth jazz and soft rock. I could go like sure. way off the rails and don't want to do that. I'd rather stick to uh, stuff that at least was from the 70s where people might know at least the group. Like for me, it would be Van McCoy, which we'll talk about. But you've got sure. one that everybody knows. Absolutely. by the Edgar Winter Group. That's Frankenstein. <laughs> now this was a uh, it was a softer, gentler time when this song literally came from nowhere to top the charts in the spring of 1973. You see, the number ones before this were mm-hmm. Tie a Yellow Ribbon Around the Old Oak Tree <laughs> and You Are the Sunshine of My Life. Schmaltz. After this, My Love by Wings. Mm-hmm. In the middle for one glorious week, we had this... Uh, one of the hardest rocking songs ever to top the charts. Writer Edgar Winter also played synthesizer, saxophone, and percussion. In fact, the working title was the double drum song for the drum break where drummer Charlie Ruff and Winter kind of chase each other. Um, guitar great Rick Derringer was producer, and our old friend Bill Simchek did the engineering. And they required numerous edit- edits to tighten up this song, get it to a reasonable length. In fact, they did so much editing and splicing, they kidded that 
they had kind of created a monster, <laughs> hence the name the Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Do you think that's why later on in that summer, um, Bobby Boris Pickett, they re-released Monster Mash for some reason? Oh, yeah. I, I've never Maybe been able that. to figure that one out, but yeah. it's possible, yeah. Because that was released right after Frankenstein or close to it and nowhere near Halloween. Nowhere near Halloween. It was kind of out all summer, and nobody kind of knew where it came from. I think Edgar Winter could be a good candidate for our new category, Great Start Then, dot, dot, dot. Because I'd <laughs> yeah. really like to know. I know he's 75 years old. Sure. Uh, the native of Beaumont, still active today. The single went to number one, as you said. Replaced my love at the top of the charts. That's yeah, incredible. And as much as I like the radio edit, you got to listen to the the album cut. Oh, the, sure. The, the length, the longer version that um, classic rock stations play. Yeah, and it's funny. I never knew it was. They, they called called it the double drum song because yeah. of what you hear in the music, which is two drummers, kind of one following the other along. And it's kind of neat. I never realized not that. dueling banjos, but dueling no. drummers. Exactly. Mine's the hustle. Everybody knows the hustle. Oh, Man McCoy, goodness. the popular yes. popular dance hall artist. Uh, this mm-hmm. song really didn't catch on. It was big in the dance clubs in New York. Right. And then it started making its way up the charts. You know, Van died at age 39, just four years after that. Oh, I didn't realize that. song went to number one in 1975. Uh, one of these nights, listen to what the man said, of course, love will keep us together. John Denver was all over the place. Uh, sure. Here. Great summer. Van had been producing for other big name acts out of Philadelphia, like the Stylistics, and of course, uh, other acts like Aretha, Peaches and Herbs, Leslie Gore, and Gladys Knight. Mm-hmm. So he had quite the stellar career as a producer. And Van also has over 700 song copyrights to his credit. That's amazing, and he passed away at 40. I mean, yeah. he must have been very busy. I'm sure he still, or that's, his family, getting, getting those royalties as they should. Yeah. 700. A number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and the R&B chart, uh, chart and everybody was doing the hustle back Yeah, then. and, you know, I remember the song, and I certainly remember it as kind of one of the beacons of early disco. You know, I mean, we, we were really kind of feeling it by that time. That there was something out there, and it wasn't normal rock and roll as we knew it. Uh, and uh, good, good song, fun song, and you know every uh, 
wedding that you went to or any kind of uh, event mm-hmm. always had the hustle. Yeah. <laughs> I was too young to go to the dance clubs. You probably were as well, not the big ones anyway. Right. Exactly. I don't rem- remember doing the hustle, and by the time maybe Homecoming Dance rolled around in the fall, that song had fallen off the charts. <laughs> you're probably doing something else like the convoy. Probably. Yeah, the convoy. <laughs> One Wonder Time. Ain't No Stopping Us Now, McFadden and Whitehead. Oh, wow. That's an interesting one. The height of the disco era. Mm-hmm. Everybody was dancing to that, and we are family in the summer of 79, plus everything Donna Summer had all out. Sure. Bad girls and hot stuff. And, oh, goodness. But Ain't No Stopping Us was a number 13 hit for this R&B duo, again from Philly. Gene McFadden, Jerome Whitehead, number one R&B hit, too. Thirteen here, oh, which is funny. I, I thought it'd do a lot yeah, better. But I, I thought I remember hearing it a lot more than that. Yeah, McFadden and Whitehead. I like that song a little better than We Are Family. Uh, anyway, those guys wrote or co-wrote and co-produced uh, these great hits over the years: Bad Luck, Wake Up Everybody, and Backstabbers. Oh, that's a good one. But ain't no stopping us now. Would be their only single to chart as a duo. They did release about another half dozen songs. But um, including they re-released this song um, a little later on. But for some reason, it just didn't do as well the next time around. Yeah, back in the day, there were a lot of re-releases. I remember that was kind of a thing. And, yeah. Uh, especially if it, the, the song hadn't done quite as much as they thought it would. The first time, they'd come with the second time. And now artists like rap artists will tend to uh, sample some of these songs. And sure, absolutely. That Jerome Whitehead was shot and killed outside his Philadelphia home in 2004. The case Ooh, remains wow. unsolved, Frankie. I'll be dying. Gene McFadden died just two years later of liver and lung cancer hmm. at only age 56. Oh, boy. But, boy, they had a good career back then, didn't they? Yeah, they certainly had their moment in the sunshine. Top five singles, the week of July 11th, 1969. Uh, that was a good summer. It was a lot happened that summer. <laughs> there was July 11th. Oh, my gosh. We, so, were, we were just digging out at the time the, here in that Lakewood. Fourth, that, yeah. that, that, that huge, <laughs> tragic 4th of July storm, and mm-hmm. so was I. I was a week away from uh, my brother Bob getting married. I, I told yeah, you no. Know, that's uh, right. 
Teddy Kennedy was happy that my brother's wedding knocked him off the knocked front him off. pages. That's and right. Moon landing and everything. So he mentioned the the two songs from this week that debuted that were going to be big hits. Um, Channel on my mind, and also you keep me hanging on. Yeah. But at the top of the chart that week, number five was one by three dog night. Ooh, that's a good tune. As opposed to yeah. three by one dog night. <laughs> <laughs> good morning, starshine by Oliver. I love that song. It's so much better than Gene. Oh my God! Yes, good morning, starshine. I can't. Don't forget that one. You can't wait to call that up. Yeah. CCR, Bad Moon Rising, is number three this week, down from number two. They had a big year in 1969. They they released three three albums, and most of the albums had those side A and B cuts, didn't they? Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Spinning Wheel, and number two, and Love Theme from Romeo and Juliet by Henry Mancini was number one for the second week in a row, as was Spinning Wheel. Wow. Yeah. So, Spinning Wheel was spinning its wheels, number two, for three weeks. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet finished up this time, their time at number one, or its time, after spending a couple of weeks there. In the year 2525 would pretty much take us to the end of the summer. That's right, yeah. That was uh, kind of a little over the top, uh, 2525. Yeah. Henry Mancini one week, and Zager and Evans the next. That's the way the charts were back then. Pop versus rock. Frankie, sometimes we have psychedelic versus pop, but this one is a good one. Sometimes you like a rocker. Right, exactly. Like the one you have. Mm-hmm. But a number two for the week of, of September 13th, 1969, the Archies, number two, Sugar, Sugar. Wow, I remember that one. It would take over the number one spot the next week mm-hmm. and spend five weeks at the top of the charts, uh, becoming the number one hit for the entire year of 1969. As incredible as that sounds, that is totally true. <laughs> we were talking, yeah, we've talked about uh, about before, if you were in a time capsule and missed the entire 60s, you would only know, like, Percy Faith started out the year <laughs> and Sugar Sugar ended it. You would think nothing happened in this decade. Exactly. Exactly. So that's number <laughs> Sugar Sugar by the Archies, you know, Jughead and Mr. Weatherby and sure. all those guys. Um, Jane, his wife. No, that was Jetsons. That was yeah. Jetsons, yeah. <laughs> so that was number two. What do you have for number one in the rock category? Well, and boy, this is a rocker and you all know it. Uh, Honky Tonk Woman by the mm, Rolling goodness. Stones. Now, is so it woman or women? Um, Rainy day know. women or women? I, woman. I think it's an E in Yeah, honky tonk by the Stones. Right.
Frankie, great start then, dot, dot, dot. It's easier to say that than it is ellipses. I know the dot, dot, dot is ellipses. Walter Egan started off with, uh, well, he didn't start off. No, he But Not, Not Shy was a huge album from him in 1978. It's the first time I heard of him with Magnet and Steel. Had that follow-up, Hot Summer Nights, which I like just a little better. Right. It's kind of a cool tune. Um, but then, what happened? Good question. You know, uh, Egan was born in... Queens, uh, New York. Never um, heard of it. And he, in 1970, got a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree from Georgetown University. So very uh, with the art, student uh, of the art. Very studious. Now, in 1977, Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks of Fleetwood Mac co-produced Egan's first album, Fundamental Role. During the sessions, like most of the planet at that time, Walter developed a crush on Stevie. <laughs> That led to him writing um, Magnet and Steel from his second album, Not Shy. sang backup vocals, and again helped with production. Not only did he put his feelings on paper, but it worked, and they actually had a short relationship. The song reached number 8 on the Billboard Top 100 and spent 22 weeks on the chart. Sadly, their relationship <laughs> fizzled, and so did Walder's career. <laughs> he did, as you mentioned, have one more uh, hit uh, that was actually covered and became a top 20 hit for the studio band Night. and re released 19 more singles in his career, but only Magnet and Steel made the top 40. Now, interesting, just, you know, things you find out about people. 
He made many appearances on 80s TV game shows as a contestant. Really? Such as Catchphrase, where he was a four-time champion, and also the show Scrabble. Fascination. Absolutely. Well, if I had Stevie Nicks' poster on my wall, I've told you before I didn't have room for her. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I would have written a a hit song as well. I tell you, it's really odd the way the whole thing came together. Um, You you think of... uh, you know, Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham is kind of a pair, but yeah. I guess at that point there was a falling out. And even though they worked together in the studio, uh, Walter kind of staked his claim there for a second. And uh, if you look at pictures of him back in the day, he's a handsome guy. You know, yeah. he had all the hair and everything and, sure. and looked the part. And I'm sure uh, he uh, obviously he made it known that he was smitten with Stevie. And uh, <laughs> wow. Do you think that, um, you know, she sang back up with a little later on that year, Whenever I Call You Friend. Sure. Yes. Kenny Loggins. They might have had a little something something going on as well. I mean, I I hate to say it about any female, but it's, it's certainly possible. Because <laughs> she did a lot of, you know, Tom Petty again, yeah. um, Don Henley. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many of these were, were goings on or maybe short relationships or what the heck happened. but. Uh, uh, certainly, she is such a talent, and she brings so much to the table that uh, all those people uh, that I just talked about really benefited from her talent. Yeah, you can see why they'd be smitten by her. She's a good-looking woman and she very, is. very talented, too. She was, and she was probably, um, it would be not be a stretch to say, she was probably one of the most known women on earth at that time. Yeah, along with Linda Ronstadt, sure. as before Pat Benatar. Yeah, and it was, it was. And kind of before, uh, like Princess Di, kind of yeah. would be a more 80s uh, time. But mm-hmm. yeah, she was cute. She was. So next time around, next week, Ricky Lee Jones. Yes, and uh, more interesting things about Ricky Lee. Featured artist time, Frankie, it's Don Henley. You know him from Ooh, the Eagles. I love me some Don Henley. <laughs> you know, he never had to change his name. It was Donald Hugh Henley. Exactly. One of the few that, uh, what you got. You know, mm-hmm. in just about 10 days, he's going to turn 75 years old, Frankie. He's still that's, touring. That's impossible. But I guess, you know, he'd be about 10 years older than me, so that would be absolutely possible. <laughs> the, the native of Gilmer, Texas, that's in the northeast part of the state, I guess north of Houston or something like that. Hall of Famer with the Eagles, 1997. They're like the best-selling American rock band of all time. They are. Um, and, and I know that um, they go back and forth with Thriller and their, their greatest hits mm-hmm. as being the, one of the top two. But parked in third place is Hotel California. <laughs> Can you imagine having that, that kind of career and still no. doing it today? And every place you go, every venue loves your stuff. And you get to play it, even if you're tired of it, you're playing it because people want to hear it. Well, you know, and they were the ones um, along, I would say, with Barbara Streisand that really blew the lid off the ticket prices. Uh, They really were the ones that kind of said, hey, you know, we can charge $150 for a ticket. When everybody was back at, you know, 30 bucks at the time. And people will pay it. And people will pay it. And boy, they sure did.
You know, you made a case for Don Henley as a solo artist. Sure, absolutely. I totally agree. They were inducted by Jimmy Buffett. Other, in, other inductees that night were Joni Mitchell, the Young Rascals, or the regular Rascals, <laughs> Parliament Funkadelic, yes. Fleetwood Mac, and Mamas and Papas all inducted that night. Boy, what an interesting group of uh, characters that is, but uh, a lot of great music there. <laughs> You've watched the Kennedy Center Honors. Sure. It's always on right after Christmas. They usually tape it. Right after Thanksgiving, and then mm-hmm. CBS has it on uh, sometime during the Christmas week. Anyway, the Eagles were Kennedy Center honorees originally slated for December of 2015, but it had to be postponed until the next year because Glenn Frey had taken ill uh, and yes, was going right. to die just a month later. Mm-hmm. As a solo artist, Don has won three Grammy Awards over the years, the first one coming in 1986 for Boys of Summer. Oh, what a great tune. Great videos, too. Oh, my God. Really uh, good video. He he took advantage of uh, the whole video revolution, and boy, he came through with great videos, great songs, and uh, if you haven't yeah. checked out any of these songs that we're talking about, please do. Yeah, great songs to match those great videos. Mm-hmm. And by the way, speaking of another artist who did the same, next week's artist, Robert Palmer, oh, same time yeah, of, of the decade, too. We'll talk about that next week. He also won, Don did, for Rock Male Vocalist of the Year, again in 1989, for End of the Innocence. Yeah. Same category, another great song. Summed up the seventies, mm-hmm. but you know, end of the innocence kind of summed up the eighties. Yeah, so I mean, did, he it? had two great albums that he was front and center, and you know, did the work on that. You know, were were signposts of a generation. He was nominated in over another dozen categories as mm-hmm. well for Grammys. Are you surprised he didn't do much more as a solo artist in the nineties or beyond? I am, and I've always been disappointed about it. Um, he's put out, I believe, he put out five solo albums and. I think three of them immediately could be called classics. So, I mean, yeah. you know, when you have that kind of uh, batting average, yeah, I would have loved to hear more. <laughs> Do you think that's what's keeping out him out of the Rock Hall? Or is it something else? I don't know. I, I can only think that it's because of that. But, you know, again, we've talked about it. The Police did five albums. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I think it depends on what the five albums were, and boy, he certainly, uh, he hit some home runs there. Did he do a lot of touring, do you know, in the 80s to follow up these albums? I don't think so. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. remember a lot of tours, because I would have gone seen him, absolutely. Like at a place like Blossom would have made Oh, it would have been fantastic. Sense. Yes. And Glenn Fry can open or whatever. Exactly. Be fun or too. Jackson Brown oh, or somebody that'd, like that. That would be awesome. Sure. You know, Don Henley has been heavily active in political and social causes over yes, the years. He, has. he founded the Walden Woods Project to help protect Walden Woods from development, and also co-founded the nonprofit Kettle Lake in- Institute in 1993, which underwrites uh, ecological ecological education and research. So he's involved in that, isn't he? He sure is. And uh, you were talking about maybe why he didn't get in. He's never had a good. Uh, relationship with the music press, and that might have something to do with it. He's cantankerous is the word that comes to mind when you think about Don Henley, yes. Dirty Laundry, one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right out of the box with that. You know, first one up, Dirty Laundry. (laughs) I can't imagine he scored too many positive points with the news media back then either, especially bubble-headed bleach blonde. Bleach blonde, yep. That's a song ahead of its time, though, really. Absolutely. I mean, it was timely then, but wow, nowadays? Now, yeah. Think, think about some of the things you see on TV now. In 1982, a number 24 album in the U.S. called I Can't Stand Still. That was his first one. Heartbreaker Ben Montench helped him out on that one, on like a half a dozen of those album tracks. Sure. Also, Andrew Gold was on there. Russ yeah, Kunkel. That's right, yeah. Steve Lukather, our friend from Toto. Mm-hmm. Wally Wachtel. Joe Walsh, Steve and Jeff Picaro, <laughs> Bill Withers, Warren Zevon also helped. So he wow. had some good backing. He had some heavy hitters. Yeah, yes. he did. But except for Joe Walsh, nobody else from the Eagles. Right, right. Other yeah. guys who've worked with them. But. And I think the Eagles were pretty much taking a, a break from yeah, things at that they time. They were on a little hiatus. Exactly. 1984, one of your favorites, Building the Perfect Beast, number 13 in the nation. 
Number as a three-time platinum album, Frankie. Yeah, and uh, if folks, if you haven't sat down and listened to that lately, uh, do yourself a favor. Uh, every cut on there is strong, and believe me, it's it's well worth your time. Fantastic tunes, even the ones you don't know are really good. All she wants to do is dance. Mm-hmm. Is also on there. Sunset Grill, great tune. Five years later, it took him a while to put out these albums. I don't think he was in any hurry. No, absolutely not. The End of the Innocence, 1989, number eight in the U.S., six-time platinum. The Heart of the Matter, which I really like. We played a lot in Q104 back then. Absolutely. New York Minute, The Last Worthless Evening. You don't hear these songs a lot, especially like the last two I just mentioned on the radio, which is good. Exactly. Greatest Hits, Actual Miles in 1995. Inside Job was a number seven album in 2000 in the U.S. And Cast Country, seven years ago, hit number three here in the States. You know, Billboard charts are a little different now than they were they sure back are. then. But yeah, still, it's, yeah, exactly. I don't know if it's easier to hit number three, but if you have a name, <laughs> that that's probably going to shoot right to the top, at least with downloads. Exactly. Singles, Boys of Summer. Oh, my God. What a great single that was. And uh, uh, one of the... Great videos of all time is All She Wants to Do is Dance. Yeah. Just ask my wife. She loves that one. <laughs> and, uh, of course, Don Headley looks like the stud of the ages mm-hmm. in that one. I mean, everything he's got everything going on that. You know, he's in his mid-70s. He looks like he's in his mid-50s. He sure does. And he's always been like that. I mean, I yeah. remember those those videos. Where he was probably in his late 40s and looked like a 30-year-old. Maybe so. it comes from all that sitting, you know, as opposed to standing and moving <laughs> on the stage. I don't know.
Just to have somebody by my side And I don't want to hate you I don't want to take you But I don't want to be the one to cry And I don't really matter To anyone, anymore But like a fool I keep losing my place And I keep seeing you walk through their door Good drummer, too. Absolutely. Heart of the Matter, New York Minute, Dirty Laundry, All She Wants to Do is a great tune. All those songs are great. The albums are fantastic, too. Totally worth your time. Uh, If you want to download, we were talking about that with our Deep Cuts segment earlier. It's important to mention the side that it's on. Oh, yeah. If If you've downloaded something... You might just download the big hits, maybe for a 60s rock mix party or something. Right, and you'll miss, uh, like off of Building the Perfect Beast, you'll miss A Month of Sundays, which is a great little tune. It's obviously, it's about three generations sitting down over Sunday meals, Mm -hmm. and that's why they call it A Month of Sundays, and just talking, and wow, I mean, it's just, it just brings home so many feelings and emotions. He, um, He is a great writer, and is done so many wonderful things that uh, you really owe yourself to look at some of those a little bit more. Back 
Baker was the farmer's friend I've seen dark days and dusty days Late spring snow and early So I think it's good to be an advocate for buying, maybe not buying the album. You might have a hard time finding it if you don't have it already. But buy the CD. Right. Check it out, one by one, cut by cut, and, and see what Frank and I are talking about because it's cer- certainly worth your time. And the, the hits are great. Yeah, absolutely. And I know when you're downloading something from, say, iTunes, you can download the whole album, but it looks a little daunting. That's like twelve ninety nine <laughs> for the whole album. I know you can d- download one cut, and then it's less the next time you download. But still, if, if you have a chance and you can find the CD, you should get it and pop oh, it absolutely. in and just listen to it with a good bottle of wine or someone nice by your side, you know? Perfect. Still touring these days. Just wrapped up a tour. Frankie, the Eagles did. Few cities here in the States. Still plays those drums, and he still sounds great. That's great. So that's Don Henley, our featured artist this week. Next time around, we talked about it already, and we'll talk about it next week. Robert Palmer, our featured artist. We've already talked about cool singers like Brian Ferry and Curtis Mayfield. Uh, Marvin Gaye. the coolest of them all (laughs) could be Robert Palmer. Robert Palmer's next week, uh, front and center, is our featured artist. So, Frankie, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. This is Tim Friedman, 70s Rock Conversations. We'll see you next week.